Chapter 5. Penderwinkle Perturbed It was well past seven when Perry Penderwinkle turned the key in its lock and opened the door to his apartment. The sun had set over an hour ago, leaving him to enter an apartment shrouded in darkness. In a perfect world, Perry could easily flip the light switch just inside the front door, but he had been informed by the super soon after moving in that the switch did not work. It hadn't in years, Perry was told. And so Perry was left to the task of blindly finding his way to the nearest end table where he could turn on a lamp to light the apartment. This had happened once last week when Perry arrived home late, but he was not yet familiar enough with the landscape of his new apartment. It took all of ten seconds before he'd hit his shin on the corner of some piece of furniture and was cursing to high heaven. He did, however, find a lamp and quickly illuminated the room. Now, he thought... Now I can relax. Penderwinkle plopped down into an old green wingback chair next to the lamp. He let out a long sigh and allowed his body to sink into the sagging, worn cushions. He let his eyes close. Just for a moment, he thought, resting his head on the chair back. He needed a shower and he'd not yet eaten dinner. This meant rummaging through the nearly empty cupboards to see what remaining food he could cook into some semblance of a dinner. At this point, he'd throw together anything even remotely edible in order to avoid having to make another trip out to the grocery tonight. Just one or two minutes, he thought. I need to rest my eyes. Perry awoke to the sound of laughter and stomping feet coming from the hallway. It was the neighbors two flights up, likely. They were always making a ruckus, stomping up the stairs, shout-talking the whole way. Perry turned and checked the digital clock on the kitchen counter. 10.34 p.m. So much for a quick nap, Perry thought as he drearily lifted himself up from his chair. It was going to be a long night, now that he'd added a few hours of sleep before bed. He was having a hard enough time adjusting to the constant noise bombarding his ears each night as he tried to sleep. Sirens, cars, drunk people, shouting tourists to name a few. Perry resigned himself to another night of poor sleep and headed toward the kitchen to begin the task of making an edible dinner out of whatever was left in his cupboards and fridge. But then, something caught his eye. Over by the front door, there lay an envelope. Penderwinkle furrowed his brow. He did not remember having received any letters in the last few days, nor did he remember sending any. Perhaps it had been slid under the door. Why else would it be lying there? The letter was face down, so he could not see to whom it was addressed. Penderwinkle lazily made his way over to the front door and picked up the letter, turning it over to check for an address. But there was no address on the front, only his name written out by hand. P. Penderwinkle. He inspected the handwriting. There was nothing extraordinary or distinctive about it, though he had the feeling that he should recognize the penmanship. Perry Penderwinkle was intrigued. He opened the envelope, Inside was half a sheet of white paper. The edge was torn and the words appeared to have been written hastily. Ink smeared the paper in a number of places as if it was still wet when the paper had been folded up and placed in its envelope. Perry read the letter. Penderwinkle, I hope you are well. I believe you received my calls yesterday. It is urgent that I meet with you as soon as possible. It is in regards to an important matter concerning a former acquaintance. M. The sooner we can talk, the better. I will call back tomorrow evening to confirm our meeting. Please make sure to be home at your regular time. 
There was no signature at the end of the note. Perry stared at the letter in disbelief. He read it again, hoping to glean some subtle clue he may have missed as to who this letter may have come from. His stomach began to turn, and he could feel that his face was flushed. He double-checked the deadbolt on his front door and walked into his small bedroom, placing the letter on his desk. One phrase in particular had made his blood run cold. In regards to an important matter concerning a former acquaintance, M. Perry could think of only one person this letter could be referring to. Marcus. But Perry Penderwinkle was not eager to dredge up the past, to reopen old wounds. By moving across the pond to America, he had hoped to rid himself entirely of this whole Marcus business. He wanted no more to do with it. What could there possibly be left to talk about? And who was so eager to contact Perry? Certainly not Cranley or anyone else from the service, for that matter. They were there when Marjorie was found, and they were there at the trial when Perry was made to testify, and even at the sentencing. Perry had done his part, so what else could anyone expect from him? Hadn't Marjorie's death been enough? For the rest of the evening, Perry continued to mull over these questions and many others. As he lay in bed, his mind returned to England, to Marjorie, to the life he was now trying to erase from his memory. But it would not be erased, and Perry had known this all along. One can move on, Perry thought, but a person is never truly free from his past. It haunts him, follows him. It is, in a way, his shadow, Perry mused. Always with him, it becomes a part of him. Perry turned over and glanced at the clock on his nightstand, 2.16 a.m. He'd be up and preparing for work at 6.30 a.m. Was it even worth it to keep fighting this battle to fall asleep? It was a battle tonight that he knew he could not win. He thought to stand up, to go into the living room and try reading a book, but he could not muster the strength. And so, for a little while longer, Perry Penderwinkle fought on, tossing and turning, counting sheep, at times trying to lay completely still to see if he could will himself to fall asleep. Finally, at 4.53 a.m., exhaustion overtook him, and Perry slept in peace for a blissful 90 minutes. Chapter 6, Perry Persists When Perry Penderwinkle arrived at work the next morning... He looked like someone who had gone on a bender. His hair quickly combed, his pants and short wrinkled. He had forgotten to apply deodorant. The two aspirin he took with his coffee did little to assuage the splitting headache he'd woken up with. He snuck into his office, promptly shutting the door behind him, and lay his head on his desk, hoping for minimal human interaction for the first hour or two of the workday. Luckily for Perry, Martin Nesson was out of office today. He had turned out to be by far one of Perry's most frequent interrupters to productivity, with his constant check-ins. The rest of his colleagues had taken little interest in Perry Penderwinkle or his work, as they mostly kept to themselves, hunkered down in their cubicles or small offices, working on God knows what. For his part, Perry enjoyed the solitude, the monotony of the day's work. The greatest trial he had thus come across in his two weeks of work was trying to figure out how to use the new printer connected to his computer. If this was the most trying experience of his workday, 
Perry felt confident he could continue on in such a job until retirement. And so, Perry Penderwinkle was grateful for a quiet day to himself, with a very small workload, as all he could think about was the phone call he'd be expecting this evening, this mysterious planned meeting, the mention of M. He'd read the letter over and over last night, combing through every line for any clue as to its authorship, but each time he came up empty-handed. Like it or not, Perry was in the dark, and until this evening he would only be left to wonder who it was that had contacted him. With Nesson out of office, Penderwinkle decided to take the opportunity to slip out of work an hour early. No need to take a chance on getting home late tonight. Too important, Perry thought. Besides, Nesson won't be any the wiser. Not that he'd likely care a great deal anyway. When 4.30 came around, Perry discreetly left his office and took the stairs down two flights before hopping on the elevator. He felt a little rush of adrenaline as he quietly snuck around his office. It was a feeling he'd never much enjoyed before. Heaven knows he'd spent enough hours of his life covertly sneaking from one place to another, careful not to be seen by the wrong people. Being discreet and going unnoticed had been part of his job description for over three decades, but that was another life one he was not eager to revisit. Now he was Perry Penderwinkle, office worker. His mission now? Putting away just a little more money so that he could enjoy a pleasant and well-earned retirement. Today's business with the sneaking out early, the letter, the phone calls, they were merely a momentary diversion. If all went well, he'd have everything sorted out over the phone this evening. It would be nothing, he knew, and then he would return to life as usual, no looking back, at least, that is what Perry Penderwinkle hoped. Chapter 7. Penderwinkle Proceeds The time was 7.01pm. Perry Penderwinkle sat in his green chair, the corded phone resting in his lap. He had been waiting in silent expectation, hand hovering over the phone for nearly an hour and a half. He'd not even changed out of his clothes when he arrived home, for fear that he'd miss his important call. As he glanced over at the clock... For what seemed at least the fiftieth time, the phone abruptly rang. Penderwinkle jumped, so startled was he by the sound, after what seemed an eternity of waiting in silence. For a brief moment, he could only stare at it, as it rang a second time. On the third ring, he quickly lifted the phone to his ear. Hello, he barked into the phone with a great sense of urgency. The sound was muffled on the other end, garbled. Then he heard the distant sound of a car horn. A voice came on the line. It was a woman's voice. Hello, Mr. Penderwinkle. I see you got my message, the voice said in a rather hurried fashion. More noise in the background. Perry thought he could hear car horns honking. Sounds like they're calling from the street. Payphone, probably, Penderwinkle surmised. I did, though I'm afraid I may not be too much help to you. Your letter was quite vague, and I can't say the letter M bears any great significance to me. Who might I be speaking to? Perry tried, knowing it was a long shot. Never give up any information from the start. Play dumb. See if you can lure them into revealing more information than they intend, Perry thought, awaiting a response from the other end of the line. Mr. Penderwinkle, I'll get to the point. It is urgent that I meet with you as soon as possible. Can you meet tonight? The voice asked in a no-nonsense tone. Tonight? Why, it's past seven now. It's rather short notice, don't you think? Perry protested as he weighed the seriousness of the situation. 
and I don't suppose you expect me to meet some stranger tonight without even knowing your name. How do I know you're not some scam artist out to rob me? Mr. Penderwinkle, I don't think you understand the urgency of the situation. For your own good, for your own safety, we must meet tonight. I can meet you on the corner of 57th Street and 8th Avenue at 9.15pm. Can you find your way? Columbus Circle. Yes, I know the way, but you cannot seriously expect me to meet you at this time of night. Perry interjected, now a little annoyed by the other's refusal to provide him with any other information. Mr. Penderwinkle, I am a friend, the voice replied calmly. No friend of mine. You seem to know me, but I certainly don't know you. If you expect me to come and meet you at this time of night, the least you can provide me with is a name, Perry scolded the voice. A name or I'll hang up this phone. There was a brief silence on the other end of the line. Perry thought for a moment that the call had been disconnected. That is, until the voice spoke again. Marjorie. The caller hung up, and Perry sat stunned, his mouth agape, eyes wide in amazement. Marjorie? Why would someone be calling about Marjorie? M for Marjorie, not Marcus, Perry thought. His head was spinning. What was all of this about? What was this person's game? There was only one way to find out. Perry Penderwinkle grabbed his long overcoat and hat from the closet and raced out the door.